Welcome to the Community Feedback Loop, a weekly podcast about sharing conversations between people in gaming and esports focused on community, public relations, and how we communicate in the video game industry. I'm Bob Holtzman, the host for the show. I've worked in games since 2007 and founded Co-op Mode Communications, a consultancy that offers public relations for games as a service and the communities who support them. Follow Co-op Mode Communications on LinkedIn. You can connect with me via the links in the episode's description. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop a follow on Spotify. Please support the show if you like what we're doing. And on that, let's throw it to our interview. All right. Today's interview is taking us to a place we haven't been yet on the community feedback loop. Uh, when we first met our guest today, she was hustling to build a career in video games and esports. She was a founder of the Daily Walkthrough and Email Newsletter, and I was actually a really big fan of her work there. She was running it on a daily basis, and we connected while I was at Riot Games. Since then, she's gone on to become a streamer and a fantastic esports host. Um, I've been a subscriber at least for one month on Thank You Twitch Prime um, to her Twitch stream, which is twitch.tv backslash Katie Bedford. And she's most recently hosted Twitch Rivals, Path of Exile, Royale, Showdown. Please welcome Katie Bedford to the Community Feedback Loop. Hello, hello. That was such a nice introduction. Thank you. Well, you know, let's kind of start. I, I guess it's the, the history buff in me. Like, let's, mm -hmm. let's kind of start back with when we first met, because I think it was probably four years ago. Yeah, maybe it was a while. Longer. Yeah, it's been a bit. Um, and I remember like super impressed with your hustle, you know, because I was a regular reader of the daily walkthrough mm -hmm. and I was actually in charge at the time of an internal clipping service. For those that don't know what a clipping service is, it's basically like we're going to share all the content that's been generated about your business, your game, your company mm -hmm. um, and put it in like, you know, basically a, a, a folder or an email and distribute it. And so I was in charge of it and I was like the daily walkthrough was this like awesome external email newsletter, tons of links. It seemed like a really easy way to like kind of quickly get your finger on the pulse of what was going on with gaming and esports. Um, and Katie was running it. She was, you know, you were, you were, you were doing a great job with this. And so I thought, Oh, maybe they could help me with, uh, what I was doing at riot. So, um, didn't happen. Total mistake on my part, by the way. I should have totally had you do it. Um, I was like trying to think back, like, why did I not do that again? Like, it was such a <laughs> such a whiff on my part. But sometimes things just don't work out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I want to I want to ask you about this. I know we're going to mm -hmm. get into streaming, obviously, in community and esports. But I want to start here because, you know, I thought that was a really interesting way to get into the industry. I think email newsletters right now are massive. Substack is a huge deal. Um, maybe not as much in gaming, but definitely in journalism. You know, what was that grind like for you? And, and what, you know, when you were trying to make the daily walkthrough uh, work, you mm -hmm. know, what was it that you liked about it? You know, what were some of the struggles? Uh, so I, I loved pretty much everything about it. Um, it was a lot of work, though. Like, it was a ton of dedication. And especially when you're not making money on something, that kind of makes it harder. Like, I loved doing it. So getting up early every morning and staying up late every night, because I, I would split it into two pieces, because I was not willing to get up at, like, 4 a.m. to do the whole thing. So... I would basically do it in two halves uh, at night. I would run through everything and add in things. And then in the morning, uh, I would run through everything once again to find anything new that had populated overnight and then and then add in the rest, try and come up with a witty headline and kind of get everything sent out. Um, but it's it's a, a super grind, if you, especially if you're doing a newsletter that's every day and you're doing it alone. That, that's a lot of time out of your week to be doing it. But I, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. I think um, I got a lot of satisfaction out of hoping I was making other people's lives easier uh, and trying to create a newsletter where it was really the most important bits and it was a skim that you could kind of just glance over, open up links if you so chose. Um, but really something that was just supposed to make your life more convenient. Uh, I don't know. I liked I liked that a lot. So I'm, I'm really sad I don't get to do it anymore, but I did love it in the moment. 
what was the um what was like your biggest takeaway from it because you did it for quite a while i want to say mm-hmm. like more than a year um yeah. but what was the takeaway that like that that you've been able to like carry with you besides you know the fact that maybe you can get up earlier <laughs> uh the takeaway that's a really good question um I think my biggest takeaway was that I realized that there very much so was a place for me in the industry. And it made me realize that this was the industry I wanted to be in, the industry that fit my personality, fit my desires, my wants, my dreams, my hobbies. Um, That was definitely the biggest takeaway. It was just to realize that I had found the space that I truly wanted to be in. And I would not have discovered that without the newsletter without being able to attend events in person like the first overwatch league grand final and the elite boston major and and the people that i met through those experiences who helped me realize that i actually did have a skill set to be involved in the industry and that i was a lot happier so that was probably my biggest takeaway well that's a big one right and i think that's something we talk a lot about here on the community feedback loop which is this idea of you know where do you find your input especially if you're not you know planning to make the game you know i i've oops i've never had any intention of making a game you know maybe you do um we could talk about that if you do but um it, it is an interesting industry because i think it's largely opaque uh maybe less so than it was when i first started back in the 2000s um but you know, was there that feeling like, hey, I don't really know how to get involved in this, and then mm-hmm. that was kind of like what unlocked the door to a certain extent? Yes. Um, so growing up, I have loved video games since I was a little kid. I sat with my grandma on her gray Game Boy, like old school, old school, and she would play the Zelda games um, because she liked that they had puzzles that kind of would keep her mind sharp and she enjoyed playing it. I loved it just because I like would hold this little device with her and do this thing. I was like, this is amazing. And so I've always loved video games. Um, obviously new tattoo. So it's looking a little rough right now, but uh, I love Final Fantasy. That's kind of one of my biggest, uh, my biggest inspirations in gaming. But to your point, I never, um, I never thought I had a skill set that was applicable. As much as I loved games, my my viewpoint and understanding of the industry was extremely narrow. It was like, I'm not a game developer. I, I can't draw like that. I, I'm not like a voice art. I'm I, I don't I'm not a pro player. So so I can't be in this industry. What I didn't realize until I started doing the newsletter was that being able to whether it was from a journalism perspective or being able to write or on air work was very much so a part of the industry. And I wouldn't have figured that out without the newsletter. So uh, I I had always thought the industry was kind of closed off to me growing up. And I'm very thankful to have realized, uh, not too late to have realized that it's not. Yeah, I think that's such a cool component about, you know, what we've talked about here in the community feedback loop is Mm -hmm. this idea that the industry has so much more weight to it than just, you know, the actual game making component um okay so katie you're not working on the daily walkthrough anymore you're doing some other stuff but i have to ask um you know are there any email newsletters we should be reading now that you know you're not we can't read yours um i know uh we've talked with simon carlos who runs game discover co and his consulting Mm -hmm. business is built around his newsletter so we're a fan of his newsletter here at the community feedback loop but we'd love to hear are there any newsletters that you're a fan of that you know we should be reading that can help us, you know, make our lives a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Juked is oriented specifically toward kind of the esports portion of gaming, the esports industry. Uh, but Juked have actually done a phenomenal job of curating a website, and then by extension, their newsletter is a bit newer, more new, but a newsletter that kind of gave you the same feel-minded as like here is the most substantial mediest information you need to know and it's not some overloaded thing um so definitely i would recommend giving juke to peak i will okay cool all right so we've got our newsletter now we got a new newsletter covered um but let's keep talking about like kind of exploring your um your backstory a little bit in gaming so you're working at the daily walkthrough and then you 
How did you transition from that to the hosting? And I think the hosting came first and then now yeah. the streaming kind of came after that. How did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I, I always find that really interesting. And I, I think the hosting and the streaming stuff as somebody who's you know, doing a podcast has done radio when he was younger um, and has done, you know, journalism. I find that stuff incredibly challenging. And, and I'm always really impressed with people like you who just kind of nail it. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of work that goes into it. So how did you find that niche? How did that, how did you make that pivot? Uh, so some of those uh, kind of moments I mentioned with the newsletter, like Overwatch League or the Boston Major or whether it was E3 or PAX or anything else. Um, I think a lot of people, especially maybe in gaming, some of the younger generation don't understand how important networking is and networking is very different from ladder climbing. You can spot someone like that a mile away. They tend to be fairly obviously disingenuous in why they are speaking to you. Networking, on the other hand, is an extremely important tool to have. And uh, I was able to network and meet people who have become longstanding friends of mine, but people who were already in the industry and established. Um, And I actually reached out to one of them as I was doing the newsletter and kind of at the tail end of it, because I started to realize I was like. I have on air talent and I'm I really enjoy doing that and that's a skill set of mine that I would like to try and also bring into this space as opposed to just the writing in the newsletter so I actually reached out to a friend of mine in the industry and asked um kind of for their thoughts on it and their response to me was well why don't I recommend you to Activision and I was kind of like like what um so I took them up on it and that kind of started my whole interview process with Activision for Black Ops 4 and uh i was incredibly blessed that they were willing to take a risk on someone who did have on-air experience but not anything in esports and then i did black ops 4 and it was an incredible season uh we had a great desk i got nominated for host of the year in my first year which was uh, pretty pretty cool i was very grateful for that and uh, after that transition to streaming and doing freelance hosting uh, and now that's where I am currently, like you said, doing Twitch rivals, doing work with uh, a lot of a lot of stuff. And it's been uh, it's been a journey, but it's um, it's been a fun one now that I've figured out that I'm on the right path within that journey. OK, so since you brought up Activision Blizzard, we've got to ask, you know, what was it like working with them as the COD host? I mean, look, mm-hmm. uh, Call of Duty is such a big game. I, I've like kind of sort of worked on mobile because I work with the company that develops it, but you know, Activision does most of the heavy lifting on PR and Mm -hmm. community that, you know, they're, that's really like their bread and butter for North America. Um, So I've only like seen like, just like, you know, like through a keyhole essentially. Right. Um, But what was that like? And, you know, how'd the community respond? You know, what was it like maybe building relationships uh, within the COD community? Um, They were great. Honestly, they, their their willingness initially to take a chance on me was incredible and the community's response was actually i was a bit apprehensive because people told me they're like oh the cod community you know be careful but their initial reaction was kind of like surprise but also okay let's give it a shot and see how it goes like we're a little apprehensive but hey don't judge until you see what the person can do which I, I can't ask for much more than that right because I hadn't really earned a better response and I didn't deserve a worse response so it was even keel uh for the most part and um I interacted with the community a lot I was very active on the reddit I would talk to people frequently um and I think kind of through that and just um through the work that I did on air um they ended up we ended up kind of having a very good rapport but working with Activision I also did and I I did it through the very beginning of Cold War but I actually did a lot of written work for them um so I did interviews with players uh interviews with uh owners like one of the last ones I did with was with Hex for Optic Chicago and with Formal and uh Dashy as well Uh, unfortunately I think they ended up kind of taking a step back from doing more written work but uh it, it was a really positive experience throughout and I'm, I'm definitely very grateful for it. Do you still, do you still interact with the COD community on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And what's it like now that maybe you're not quite as like tied in to the esports scene? Um, but you know, still, you know, a, a part of it because you know, you're mm-hmm. going to carry that with you. It's you know part of your history. 
Yeah, so I don't uh, directly connect with the COD community very often. Like, I'm not on Reddit much anymore, things like that. Um, but I do do a show with Dexerto called Reverse Sweep. It's with Enable, who is a former pro, and with Pac-Man, who I worked on the desk with, and who was formerly the coach for Optic Gaming LA. Uh, so I do that, and that's been received really well. We we are kind of able to give the more opinionated hot takes that maybe aren't able to be expressed uh, on an actual broadcast. Uh, so I really love doing that. I work with um, Florida Mutineers on a show called Quickscope, which is kind of a summary show we do once a month. Uh, so I'm very much so engaged in everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like directly communicate with the um, with the player player base as much. So very much on the pulse, but not kind of directly, directly in the thick of it. Uh, I mean, but you're playing Warzone, right? So wouldn't you say like a lot of your your personal streaming community, like how do you draw that? that that's a really, this mm-hmm. is actually a question that um, I just thought of. Um, sorry. But like, how do you draw the distinction when you're like playing Warzone and mm-hmm. you're building a community and obviously people are probably watching because they like Warzone, but they also like you. How do you draw that distinction? Like where in your head is like, okay, here's the COD community, but here's my community, even though there's clearly like, you know, this, overlap it's not like they're completely separate uh well i mean i think that's that is something that's not specific to me i think that's something that's specific to any streamer who is first known for a certain thing totally so uh I get way more viewers when I do Call of Duty watch parties or when I'm playing Warzone or I'm playing League Play or I'm engaging with Call of Duty in some way, shape or form. Um, A lot of those people transition over into just being regular viewers, but there is a substantial amount of them who just want to be here for a certain thing. And that's fine. Uh, Obviously, you would like to be able to kind of convert all of those people into being regular viewers, but that's just not how things tend to work um so i don't um, i don't think about it much because that's one of the um kind of depressing potentially rabbit holes you can fall into as a streamer of like why do they only care about this do they not actually care about me they only care about this thing that i do or and i don't think that's a mindset that I try and focus on too much. Um, so yeah, steadily people do know me for COD and I get a wider audience audience when I engage in COD. But, I, and as great as that is, you also can't let that kind of disencourage you from doing other things like Apex, for example, or the new world closed beta that I played way, way too much. Um, or, you know, singer player games or Path of Exile, for example, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a really interesting point right that like on this one hand you have this audience that maybe knows you for a game but you want to you know how do you um how do you like describe your streaming like are you what's the word i'm looking for variety streamer yeah 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 Yeah. thank you Uh i just cannot get it out yes so you can be kind of a a niche streamer um it's really hard to be a variety streamer because as I just explained, um, the core group of people who are there specifically for you are always most of the time going to be a smaller amount of people than the people who really just want to watch you play one thing. Um, like for example, um, my boyfriend, John, he's the S and D coach for Atlanta phase. He is known as kind of the best S and D player to ever do it in COD. And he gets crazy viewership when he does S and D like crazy viewership. But when he goes over to play Apex, which he's really gross at, he just started playing, but he's really good. His viewership is a tenth, a fraction of what it was. And you kind of have this moment where you realize, even though I'm really good in this game and I'm showcasing those talents you love so much in S&D in this game, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who only ever want to watch me play S&D. And that that's the same thing for for any streamer, even a biggest streamer in the world. I don't care. Like you can be a Tim the Tatman or anyone else. If you're going to play something else, you're going to get less viewership because there's a certain amount of people who only want to see you do that one thing. Um, I can give so, you a great example of that. Yes. So, I mean, I mean, I think he's great. But like when Shroud played PUBG, I watched a lot of Shroud because I, mm-hmm. I like PUBG. That's kind of what I like to play. And so watching shroud play PUBG was like to me watching like you know a michael jordan play basketball because he could hit shots that i couldn't even like fathom 
right? Like right. I just couldn't even imagine that it happened. So I totally get what you're saying. I think that's a really interesting thing. And so this goes to another question I had, Katie, which is, you know, I had this big question, but I, I think it actually raises a better point. Um, you know, I think the question we wrote down was like, you know, like, what do you think about the future of esports? But mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time. One of the biggest challenges with the phrase esports is that like, it's bundling together so many communities that probably right. don't overlap, you know, and sports, it, it's just different. You know, like you, you, if you grow up playing sports, you probably grow up playing several and then you pick and choose a couple. Whereas right. with esports, you kind of pick one and then maybe, maybe two. two. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. I think yeah, that is the problem, right? As much as we um, say esports is the tree, well, there's many, many branches on that tree. And so it's easy to just lump some esports. But yeah, most esports viewers uh, hyper focus on one game, maybe have two games, sometimes three, but usually there's one specifically that they really are leaning into and, and kind of focusing their energy on. Um, so w- within that, like, are you basically asking like what kind of difficulties do we encounter within that or? Well, I, I actually didn't to, to your defense. I didn't ask a question. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was answering that. I was like, did I start answering too soon? Cause I realized that I didn't know if he actually asked me a question. So here we are, here we right. are but, at the meat of the problem. But I think your point is super valid. And I guess the question that I want to change the question, right? So the question was going to be like, what do you think about the future of esports? And mm-hmm. I want to change that question to what, games do you see or do you see there being a healthy ecosystem for like like i don't know like a lot of games or is it going to be kind of like sports like in sports there's i mean essentially what like there's the big three in america baseball football and basketball and then you add soccer for at a global level um you know We've seen this pie grow in sports. It's really easy to see. UFC is new. It's big. But it kind of maybe took from boxing. We've seen mm-hmm. other sports kind of go into the, you know, they're not as popular. Golf got popular with Tiger. Tiger's gone, less popular. Like how many esports, I guess this is my question. Do you see a world where just like in sports, there's going to be a lot of esports and that they're going to, this is going to continue to be the way it is. And some will be really big and massive like league, like, you know, Shay, help me out here. I'm Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Um, Counter Strike. Thank you. Yeah, Counter Strike. Yeah. Like you know, there's these clear these clearly these really mm-hmm. big esports. I mean, I I can't even name one after League. I guess right now off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah. Well, I mean, League's the behemoth, right? Yeah. And I think to answer your question, um, I, I think just not to get too philosophical, but how human nature is, how the attention span is, how our interests as human beings work, you're always going to have the big ones and then more niche esports or sports or things. So uh, I think with within esports, League has already shown kind of the longevity uh, to be that dominant power player in esports i don't think that's going to change anytime soon um, i think other esports take up those secondary slots and maybe those ones will shuffle but i imagine for the foreseeable future it's going to be league of legends as that dominant force um but but no i would i would imagine in terms of kind of the the big players there's only going to be a handful like two three that people consider the top top esports and then you kind of get that pyramid of like the second tier third tier fourth tier okay so to like not i feel so like brain dead but um while you talked about that, and um, I think you're right. I think there's always going to be just a couple at the top. Um, I think that's a really actually um, smart point about human behavior. Um, I did pull up Esports Observer, and they mm-hmm. would do these um, PC games impact indexes. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Is that the pyramid thing? I'm yeah. thinking of something yes. from someone yes. that was like a pyramid of, yes. yes. <laughs> it's not quite right. It's like, it's like tier one, tier two, tier three. Yes. They yeah, label, yeah. you were right, Katie. They label Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, the one that I could name so embarrassing League of Legends is tier one. And then mm-hmm. they also name Fortnite as tier one. Um, 
And then how old was that though? Because I don't think they would. This is for Q1 of 2021. So it's not really? that old. Yeah. Okay, because Fortnite is tricky, right? Because Fortnite's not what esports stuff is Fortnite really doing right now? Like, like nothing because well, like, they shut it all down. Booga right? winning in 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 solos was kind of like the last yeah. hurrah uh in in terms of really monumental um Fortnite esports. I I don't know if Epic has plans for it in the future. I've not personally been involved, so I don't know. Yeah. Um but I, I wouldn't it feels like they might be conflating conflating Fortnite as a game with Fortnite esports because, for example, uh, Ariana Grande doing an in-game event is not esports. It might pull crazy viewership and pr- crazy gameplay and crazy, like you know, monetary amounts or whatever. But that that's not the same thing as Fortnite esports. You can't cross over those numbers or those impacts. I don't know if that's what they did. Um, but I would say like 2019 or 2020, 2019 or something like, yeah, for sure. I, I think what happened, you know, and I'm just like scanning the article. I think what happened was that the, the tier twos underperformed. Mm-hmm. So um, they mentioned Rainbow Six uh, and Rocket League both underperformed. Um, oh, that's a good. OK, our wonderful, your wonderful, wonderful uh, master and commander of the podcast sending uh, sending Epic pledges 20 million for Fortnite esports in 2021. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't seen that. So there you go. So Epic threw a bunch of money at the problem because they have a ton of money because they sold all those Ariana Grande skins. Um, uh, I think the one that will probably will probably I mean, I'm sure we're all watching to see is if can Riot make Valorant another tier right. one esport, you know? Um, and will Valve allow Dota 2 to become a tier one year sport? Because they kind oh. of. I, I mean, their problem really it. is that people only care about Dota for one portion of the year. I think the point is Dota 2, because of the way they set up the international, because of the. F- the the, the the huge prize pool. Let's be real. It's the huge prize pool. Right. Yep. And it gets bigger every year. Yeah. And that's like the thing. Also, I mean. <sighs> The international is is lit when it's happening, but like it, everyone kind of it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like everyone forgets about Dota unless it's the international. Then that's all people can talk about. And it's really cool, and then it just disappears. It's like Michael Bublé and Christmas songs. Like he comes out of the comes out of the shadows, just like sing, and everyone loves him. And it's Michael Bublé, and then he like goes back into his cave for the rest of the year. It's kind of Dota. I don't know. His bubbly commercials are pretty good too. Yeah, right. Well, but yeah, maybe we need more bubbly commercials for Dota. I don't know. (laughs) They need something. Um, Okay, so uh, we've talked a little bit about esports. I want to talk more about streaming because Mm -hmm. um, you know, as somebody who works in the industry and watches a fair amount of streaming, you know, I like YouTube. I'll I'll put on Twitch from time to time. I'm not a regular watcher because I'm usually working, Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard. I get distracted from like trying to write or read or Mm -hmm. create strategies for clients, I will get distracted by streamers. So I tend to only either put it on when there's like a big event or like I'm like, I have the time or I'm like, I'm going to dedicate to watch streamers and actually like learn a little bit. Um, You know, I'm curious because you went from host to streaming. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what, what has that been like for you? And, you know, I think I would be, um, I would be, you know, coming with weak sauce if I didn't ask, like, what is it like for you? Like, and you don't have to talk about it Mm -hmm. for all of women, but what's it like as a woman? Because, you know, I think what we hear a lot is, you know, just how poorly behaved we are on the Internet. And I mean, we Mm -hmm. are. We're there's a lot of misbehavior on the Internet and people take advantage of the fact that, you know, somebody can't get in their face and tell them to cut that poor behavior out. Um. I have a folder on my computer that's titled Twitch Sexism, and it's full of screenshots of people who have come into my stream and said just overtly grotesque sexual things to me. Um, not always sexual, but, uh, you know, you suck at this game because you're a girl. LOL, this girl's trying to be good. Like, she's such a try hard. Things that are like, you know, 
My personal favorites always how much for feet pics. I don't know why there's so many people interested in feet on Twitch, but it's a thing. So and at some point when that's that folder's full enough, I think I've got like 30 plus things in there right now. Um, I'm going to make a nice little collage out of it, like one of those word collages. And I'm going to throw it up on Twitter and see what people think about it. But um, it's it can be hard because here's something I run into a lot, which I, I think the people who say this to me don't realize that it's what they're saying to me is sexist on multiple levels. But I get people who come in all the time and are like, oh, my God, you're a real girl gamer on Twitch who doesn't just show off her boobs and try and be a sexual object. And I'm like, that's so sexist. What do you mean? Like, I'm not more of a woman because I like crew necks. She's not less of a, a valid woman because she's rocking what she's got. Like, it, it, I get stuff like that all the time, and it's it's almost worse because it's like they're trying to pass it off as the this compliment that I think they actually mean as a compliment when they don't realize it's so backhanded and insulting. And I tell them exactly what I told you. It's one of my favorite moments on stream. Everyone who's been in my stream a lot knows that I kind of like I sit up straight. And I'm like. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Let's do it. And then you just kind of got to dismantle them in real time. And a lot of them get banned and, you know, whatever. A, a lot of a lot of people, too, will be like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that it came off that way. And then it's cool because you can have a rapport with someone. And it's great. Um, but in general, it is a tricky, stressful, oftentimes disheartening thing to deal with because um not only do you have to deal with that sexism, but you also have to deal with sexism in kind of very subtle ways in terms of like getting invites to tournaments versus not getting invites to tournaments versus things like that. And it, it, it can just be tricky on a lot of fronts. Um, there are benefits, not to say it's all bad. Like there's a lot of bad shit, but there are also advantages to being a girl on Twitch. And anyone who says otherwise, I think might be kind of just trying to avoid that topic a little bit. Um, but no, I think overall it, it can be hard and challenging and disheartening at times to, um, as you said, I think a lot of people say stuff on the internet because they just don't, they would, they would never say it to a person like in front of them. And they just don't realize the actual tangible impact that has. Um, you know, I, I say that about myself as well. Kind of, you have to learn and grow and mature and it, but it's disheartening to see that there's just so many people, so many people like, you know, Nacho Cheese 6969 coming in to tell me about how I'm a woman who sucks in gaming and go back to the kitchen. Right. Like your name's Nacho Cheese, dude. Like, chill out. It could be a lot. Rant over. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I appreciate the honesty because it's it's a tr I mean, it's hard. Like, I, you know, as a. um as a male who sees bad behavior and tries to like tell people cut that shit out. Um, I, I don't, I, admittedly, I don't even bother online, right? Like yeah. online, I just, I just like rolled my eyes and I, I, I either just move on or I block the person, you know, I just, well, the moment a man tries to defend a woman too. Oh my God, you're a simp. You're just trying to get into her pants. Oh my God, you're just pandering to this chick. And it's like, what? Like, no, you can just defend someone because someone else is doing something shitty. So, right. So, I mean, admittedly, I've, I've largely, um, unengaged from that stuff, Yeah. but you can't, right? Like you don't have that privilege right. to, you know, like use some language. It's very popular these days. Um, so, okay. So we've talked about this, you know, and I'm sure, gosh, I'm sure you could tell us horror stories and more, but I don't want that to be like the, right the crux of this conversation, because I think there's so much more to talk about and so much more to learn from you about your experience as a streamer. Um, it, you know, let's talk about the business a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like your job is to essentially build audience that then becomes community. Uh, and then that community chooses because they find value in your content to, to invest, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. kind of a virtuous cycle. Um, when done well, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you've learned about that business. You know, mm -hmm. like I know you have a certain number of followers and, you know, um, you want to convert followers into s subscribers, mm -hmm. you know, 
how does that work? How do you look at it? You know, is there any sort of like data you look at or is there any sort of like science that you try to apply to it or is it is it still mostly art for you at this point? Uh, it's mostly art. And kind of one of the things that I want to attach to that tangentially is that like I always view my primary job is as esports hosting commentator talent. That is my primary. And just because I'm freelance does not change that. Streaming to me is kind of my secondary occupation. Like I stream when I don't have gigs. And so in that way, to me, it is kind of more art. Like I do it because I enjoy it. I have a very tight knit community. Um, kind of the the growth and the subs and, and kind of the success that comes from that to me has always been kind of just an added bonus. Um, so it's always just kind of been like a side thing that I've done. If it was something I really wanted to lean into full time, it's a whole different game. And the name of the game is I mentioned this before, but it's all ladder climbing. It's who you it's who you're, you know, kissing up to. It's what big streamer can you play with all the time? What kind of big tournaments with big people can you get into? And if you're not willing to kind of shamelessly uh, ask kiss and tweet at people and pander to people, your growth is going to be significantly slower uh, unless you're one of those people who kind of comes up with something on their own or has a moment on their own to blow up organically. Um, A lot of it comes from who you know and who you're playing with. I am not interested in that and i don't say any of that as like a bad thing like many people have done that and they've been wildly successful and they worked hard doing that does not mean you're not working hard i'm just not interested in doing that so i don't um but there's a very different kind of way that you stream if you are someone like me who kind of just does it as a side thing and really enjoys it but doesn't really i'm not trying to make it my full thing as my cat oh there's a puppy here Hello, Scooby. Would you like to meet the podcast? Come here, Bubba. Uh, this is Scooby. He's Crowder's little puppy. He's 11 weeks old. He's adorable. Oh, my god! I thought you were my cat, Scooby. But you you're not. You're probably chasing my cat. Katie, you don't understand. We're not recording. Or maybe you do understand. We're not <laughs> recording the video, but... Um, like people are missing out. That dog was way too. Oh, cute. okay. Well, they they aren't recording. Just know, guys, that an adorable eleven week old puppy just came in to say hi to me. Was and that like he a, said hi to all of you like too? Like a labradoodle. So it's a. I think they said it's a golden doodle mini Pyrenees mix. So he's going to get to be about 15, 16 pounds. But he's literally a ball of fluff. He tries to like chase my cat. My cat's three years old. So my cat will just be like, small thing. What are you doing? And he'll just be like waddling after my cat. It's really cute. But anyway, yeah, so you can't see me, guys. But there was a dog here and he said hello. His name's Scooby. Scoobert, if he's done something wrong. Okay, so. But what were we talking about? I got so distracted by the dog. I, we were, I don't even we were remember. You're talking about streaming. You're talking about how it's kind of a side oh, gig. Yes. Um, yes. And so what was funny to me when you were kind of talking about the challenges of like, if you're going to get into the streaming game and try to go big, um, mm-hmm. you know what it reminded me of? It, I, you know, I. This is dating myself a little bit, but it really reminded me of like kind of like hip hop around the time when like Puff and Dre were like just like taking over because Mm -hmm. if you wanted to get big, you had to attach to them somehow. And then if you were really good, you could like release like the like game you spin off on your own thing. 50 yeah. Cent, like those guys had to be attached to one of those producers to yeah. like assure they got the attention from the right people. But then once mm-hmm. they did that, they were able to just like kind of release into the, you know, and and be successful on their own. Yeah. Um, you use them as a launching pad, yeah. basically. And there again, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, especially in streaming, it's all about who you know and all about the bigger streamer than you that you can attach yourself to consistently. And I know attach yourself sounds like a negative. It's not... A, <laughs> There are people who do it in a poor manner and there are people who do it in a very uh, kind of healthy manner. But that is the name of the game when it comes to streaming. And like I said, since I view it as a secondary thing, I stream because I enjoy it and I have fun. Uh, If something more comes from it, then cool. But it's not really my focus. And kind of to touch back, um, 
because I didn't I didn't think of this uh, until after the fact, but to touch back kind of on the sexism and streaming, um, it's it is as bad, if not sometimes worse when I'm casting, when I'm actually uh, talent working something, whether as a host, a commentator, an interviewer, um, you get you get picked apart and and nitpicked and torn down in a way that male talent do not deal with. Um, when I commentate Warzone, for example, the amount of people that I get who and I and I quote, "Who's feeding this chick lines?" There's no way she knows this much about Warzone. Quote. Wow. All the time. Or maybe you say a wrong gun or you say a wrong play and people will be like, I can't believe she said that. She doesn't know anything. How ridiculous. Like, get this girl out of here. It is constant. And I have seen now more than ever people pushing back in chats being like, they're doing a great job. Like, what are you doing? Leave them alone. Which is really great to see. Um, But just to touch on that briefly, like it, it is as a parent when you're casting, you just might not notice it if you don't actively have a chat open. Sounds like you probably shouldn't. Oh, I clap back at them. I like to see it so that I can directly. I called out that person I quoted. I called them out on stream and awesome. they were like, they, they did the line. I was just joking. OK, well, right. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how much of that is that these are kids and people like me are parents and we haven't sat down and explained to them why this is just not acceptable? Like. Uh, this is one of the challenges I have as a mm-hmm. you know marketing community person. Like I just don't know, you know, how many people are adults doing this and how many people are like literally like 14, 15. And it's like the equivalent of, you know, writing something dirty on the bathroom wall to them. You know, it's just, right. they get to sh- show it to more friends. Uh, they're just not, they're real life friends. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the not internet lends the behavior. Sorry. No, no, no. But I think, Context is extremely important. Uh, context is something that gets lost in the hellhole that is things like Twitter or elsewhere because you only have 150 characters and who cares about context? No one has time to care about context anymore, which is a depressing thing to say. But it, it doesn't excuse it at all. You shouldn't be an asshole. But context can help kind of understand where that's coming from and give you better ways to kind of try and counteract or combat that toxicity, right? Um, if someone comes in, comes into my channel and says something to be a certain way, I do kind of try and look for the context of like, who's the person who's probably trying to say this and, and interact with them with that knowledge. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the internet will always lend you anonymity and anonymity empowers people in a negative way to feel like they can be edgier or more of an asshole or just say things things that they shouldn't because it's the internet and they won't get in trouble and i think there are a lot of people who know exactly what they're doing i think there's also a lot of people who just don't like they're not actually understanding how negative what they're doing is because they've not had to deal with someone basically telling them to their face you're being an asshole And I think a lot of these people, if someone came up to them and was like to their face in person, like, why did you do this? Look at what you said. Like, why are you being this way? A lot of them would probably be properly shamed and grow from that. At least I want to hope that I want to hope that if they had that real life experience, that would give them some more perspective on the fact that what you're saying is impacting another human being on the other side of that Internet connection. I think that's really such a great point. Um, One more question about this. Uh, What should we be doing is like, you know, PR professionals, community management professionals, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what should we be doing to help, you know, women like you? um, Maybe I, I, I know we I don't know that we can stop it, obviously, but. What can we do to help women like you just take less of this like shit for lack of a better term? <laughs> well, I think everyone in their own way has shit that's going to get thrown at them. Women have our own unique shit that gets thrown at us. Um, and I, I think the best way that you can help is you don't have to be tweeting about it every day or whatever, but like 
what you said before, if if you see something happening, and it's not just to women, to minority or anything else. Like if you see something happening to someone. Just be there to tell that person, like, fuck you. Pardon my French, but like, like the people in my Twitch chat, when someone comes in and says something to me who immediately are there and are like, screw you, get out of here. We don't want you here. Like that makes my heart feel full, as corny as it sounds, is to like, I'm a strong person and I'm going to defend myself. But knowing that there's people there who are ready to defend me and who support me and who understand how to behave properly around people uh, is is gives you that extra like motivation you need to kind of keep going. Right. Is I, I have to believe that there's more good people than shitty people. I just know that the shitty people tend to be the loudest so and also as humans we tend to focus on the negative more than we do the positive so it's very easy to think that that is a louder majority than people who are decent um but i think if more people who are decent we're just willing to at least you know say they support you or just tell someone to you know f off if you're being an asshole uh, i think goes a long a long way well, I think it's, I mean, that's great advice. Like I said, I admit, I tend to eject from these situations because it, I mean, frankly, it makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, and, but that is, and that's, that's okay. That's understandable that's kind of a privilege too. thing, right? Like I said, it's like a privilege thing, but I'm also the first to be like, you know, totally like in a public space, like what, what did you say? You can't say that, you know, like, to, yeah. you know, like in a public space, if I was, you know, somewhere with and that that behavior happened of course i would interact with it and i th- i think that is interesting we probably need to have more of that where because of the, because of this this interlap between online and offline are it just continues to get more and more threaded mm-hmm. together um we're going to need to do a better job of you know recognizing hey you got to stand up and call people out for bad behavior so i think that's we're also rather conf- like american culture specifically like we're kind of conflict averse in person and that can also be if you're in person and you see something like no one wants to be the person who causes a scene women especially are taught from a very young age to not cause a scene like no don't cause a fuss whatever um don't be a problem but i think people becoming more okay with standing up for themselves or standing up for others um, is very beneficial too, because I can understand the pressure of maybe wanting to do something, but being too afraid to, or too intimidated by that. I think that's a, yeah. I mean, showing courage There's no perfect is solution. Yeah. I mean, it's just, At the yeah, end I, of the I, think day. It's, I think you're right though. Like show some courage. Okay. So, is there any game community? We've talked about COD a ton, but is there any game community that's really surprised you that you've worked with that was like, whoa, um, I didn't know what to expect and they've been really mm-hmm. interesting and why? Um, yes. So I'll answer the last question first. Um, the Path of Exile community. So I have never played Path of Exile. Couldn't tell you a thing about it. I knew it was similar to Diablo, which might insult Path of Exile people, but that was my only frame of reference. Uh, I went on to Twitch Rivals and um, I was working with two co-hosts, Octavian and Rise, who are very much so in the Path of Exile community. And not only were they incredibly welcoming and helpful to me, um, Shaq Central as well, actually, uh, funny enough, uh, so Shaq Central is a big Path of Exile guy. He makes, I guess, like the biggest guides in Path of Exile. Uh, his younger brother, Shacker, is a dear friend of mine and one of my mods. So he was helping me before I even did Twitch Rivals. And during the broadcast, the community, there was a lot of who is this chick? Who's this girl? Is she in Path of Exile? I don't think I've seen her stream before. There was a lot of that, but there was also a lot of wow, for someone who doesn't know this game, she's doing a really good job. Wow, it really seems like she tried to take the time to learn the game. She's actually doing a great job. It was very positive. And I was sort of blown away by that because oftentimes um, if your talent coming into a new game, people can be kind of hostile at times. Uh, Path of Exile, they were so welcoming. And actually after that, I had a, a numerous amount of Path of Exile either fans or 
players like Carve come to my channel and be like, hey, you know what? You crushed it. You did a great job. For someone who didn't know Path of Exile, you treated it with respect. You clearly were engaged and we really appreciated that. And that was really heartwarming to me because <laughs> um, you don't always get that reaction. So I think for that latter question, I was very pleasantly surprised with Path of Exile. If I got an opportunity to do something with them again, I, I would definitely take it because they were great. OK, we're going to we're going to kind of get to what I like to call like the closing questions. It's like the last mm -hmm. segment. Uh, we try to ask everybody these questions. Um, there's three of them. Um, so Ooh. the first one is, um, and I think I've told you before, and everyone that's listening to the podcast knows, mm -hmm. I used to be a journalist. And I always think, boy, if I knew what I know now back then, I would have been better at it. What do you wish you knew about the game industry um, uh, when you were younger? Um, okay. I think it's... I'm a pessimist, so it's very easy for my initial thought to be a negative thing, but I don't want to go that way because I think there's so much negativity in the world already that dwelling on it isn't always the healthiest thing. So I'm going to come from a positive angle on this. Um, this is something I touched on a bit earlier. Gaming has a place for almost everyone, and it is the most open and welcoming community that I've ever been a part of. And I I hope that more people realize that at a younger age. Like for me, if I had realized at a younger age that there were opportunities for me in gaming, which was something that I love so dearly, that would have changed a lot of my decisions about college, where I went to college, what majors I had, what opportunities I was pursuing, what people I looked up to. Um, that would have all been drastically different if I had realized that, that there was a place for me. Uh, and I think that is what's so wonderful about gaming and why you're seeing more collegiate uh, esports becoming a thing, sp uh, sponsorships, uh, you know, scholarships, things like that. Uh, not just at a collegiate level, but at a high school level as well. Um, it's a really welcoming place and more often than not, regardless of what you are striving to do, there are going to be people willing to take an opportunity on someone who is green. It's very rarely an industry where it's like, you're brand new, but you need three to five years of experience in this. Most of the time, people are willing to be like, you seem like you know your stuff. Let's do it. Let's try it out. So I, I think that's kind of been my my biggest takeaway and, and real bright spot about gaming is that you know if you love it there is absolutely a place for you and people willing to take a shot on you too that's good for shay to hear because he's um <laughs> he's getting ready to embark onto a um a more deep and uh meaningful career in gaming okay so Ooh. uh second question that was awesome thank you um second question what games are you currently playing i mean i should have just gone and pulled up mm -hmm. your stream but uh, I, you know, maybe you're playing something off stream. I actually unpublished all my VODs now because I got two strikes for DMCA in two weeks and it freaked me out so bad that I deleted everything. I nuked it from orbit. So I unpublish every single VOD now because I'm so paranoid, even though they mute them. I just unpublish them because as someone who's never gotten in trouble on Twitch, never been suspended, nothing um, to get two strikes for things that were from months and months and months ago that I didn't realize was really disheartening so so if you had gone to my twitch you wouldn't have seen anything anyway but to answer your question um i've been playing a lot of apex recently uh i'm a warzone orphan um warzone's not in the best state right now i know they just announced that there is an anti-cheat in the works probably won't be out until the new call of duty drops vanguard which will probably be around november but um i've really been enjoying apex a lot recently um and it's yes i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off but okay so shay and i literally <laughs> recorded an episode last night it's it's live for when people hear this and i had not read this but i i shay did i not call that you literally said on the show i brought up i was like war zone blah, blah blah what's it mean people leaving and you're like well they're probably just gonna hold off until Vanguard comes out, and they're gonna yep. announce some stuff that comes with it. So yeah, he killed it. So yeah, you nailed it. Right. You nailed it. And like Warzone right now is just not in a great spot, which is a bummer because the meta is actually one of the healthiest uh. points it's ever been in in terms of variety for for ARs and close range guns and SMGs. Uh, but it's 
everything else is kind of in shambles right now and a large 99% of it well, as 95% of it is the massive cheating problem and hacker problem. It is overwhelming. It is every game, if not every other game, you will be running into a cheater. Um, so a lot of us just were fatigued by that. Uh, so we moved over to Apex. A lot of people also playing Splitgate. Um, but I've been playing Apex. It is hard. Yes. It is hard. You can't just solo yeet at teams like you can in Warzone and finesse and like get the kills. Like if you do that, you're going to get spanked. Sierra's yeah. going to spank you. But it's been a lot of fun and I've really been enjoying Apex. Um, I played way too much of the New World closed beta as well. I had like 80 plus hours in the closed beta just for all of it to get wiped. Uh, I have no regrets. It was a lot of fun. I'm an MMO person at heart, hence the Final Fantasy XI tattoos. Um, so I'm very, I, I'm going to be grinding New World when it comes out. I think it was delayed until sometime in October. It was. Um, but yeah, so New World, uh, been playing Apex. Um, other than that, kind of just waiting for other things to come out. I'm very excited for Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West. I know that was delayed as well. Uh, I've been playing the flights for Halo Infinite. I was fortunate enough to be invited to those flights, which are kind of like the, uh, the, the preview beta stuff. That's been great. So Halo will definitely be playing more of that when that comes out. Uh, but yeah, other than that, just a Warzone orphan. And I played some Dead by Daylight last night. And let me tell you, I suck at that game. I'm bad. I can't start generators to save my life. I can't kill anyone as the bad guy. I'm horrible at that game. I saw a few people. I so I I haven't I haven't played a lot. I was on vacation, so I was away from my computer. Uh, I have this like cheesy Apple Arcade game called Clap Hands Golf. I've been playing because I'm obsessed with golf. <laughs> so it's like the cheesiest. The art style Clap is not. Clap Hands Golf. It's, it, yeah, they've they've made a bunch of golf games, and that's the name of their studio, Clap Hands. But it has this great swiping motion for your swing. Um, I was playing a ton of PUBG before I took a, a vacation. Um, I hope to get back to that by next week mm -hmm. but the game i'm actually really excited to play um i have it installed on my computer but i haven't opened it yet is the ascent so i'm not playing Ooh. it yet but i will be playing it hopefully soon what about you shay what that are you playing? sounds i'm trying to take a look at that right now okay oh. wait yeah shay i want to know what you're playing but i'm reading about the ascent oh katie it's I, was like, just, I was just looking up the ascent it's, uh, it's like rpg this. give me an rpg man yeah it's a it's kind of like a what i have to decide is if i'm going to play with a keyboard mouse and keyboard or if i'm going to try to set up my uh my um my oh this looks very controller. path of exile and like diablo in terms of like it's, the pov and kind diablo, of the art style very diablo-esque yeah. uh but it's i think it's just like a one run one row through bullet mm -hmm. lots of bullets lots of guns and then it's got like the whole cyberpunk uh aesthetic right which um is always super fun and so sad dude so sad that game <laughs> i've never been i was story. actually <laughs> like depressed when that game came out and i was so excited i was so excited i was like holding the the because i actually bought the physical edition because i was like i want this game enough to buy it and i was like oh and i was like reading all the pamphlets inside and then i turned it on and i just i cry i cry because it was so trash did was it <sighs> what what did you buy it for uh it was a ps4 pro <gasps> But maybe you shouldn't release a cyberpunk edition PlayStation if you weren't actually going to support it on the late gen consoles. Just hear me out. Wild take. It wasn't even the bugs, though, man. You can optimize for that shit and fix the game. It was the fact that like 80 percent of the dope things that they told us about this game was like, huh, LOL, just kidding. But thanks for the 60 bucks. See ya. And I'm like, it was it wasn't even an RPG. None of your storylines matter. You can start as a nomad. You could start as a street kid, whatever the hell you want. It didn't matter. All of it after the first hour and a half was the exact same game. And the NPC is just all. You can't see what I'm doing because you can't see my video, but they all just crouch in the streets and scream. That game was depressing. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into a cyberpunk rant, but I was so let down by that game. I, I've been burned. I'm just, I am apprehensive of every other game now because of that. Katie, I kind of wish we had recorded the um, video to go with the audio because <laughs> like you could have probably clipped that and like gotten some 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 sweet TikTok action out of that one. It was oh, OK. Super funny. I have never I'm been on TikTok and I wear that as a badge of pride. 
TikTok is just the next iteration of Twitter to reduce our attention spans even farther and make us more stupid as people. And I'm not there for it. I'm not there. People start and send me TikToks all the time. And I'm like, get the fuck away from me. I'm going to read a book. I, I, I understand the amusement. TikTok. I don't know if I just insulted you guys. I don't know if you love TikTok. But Shay I'm loves like, TikTok. Like, you <laughs> totally cut I Shay I love down. TikTok. I'm sorry, Shay. I'm sorry. Just... Like, to be fair, I have seen some very creative, very witty TikToks. That are funny when people force me to oh, watch them, but backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> no, if... I have seen some that are good and that are creative, but other than that, I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to watch. Who gives a? Why do you care about some chick who can't dance trying to dance? Like, what is that? I don't get it. I mean, I, maybe I'm just old. I don't get it. That's. Go ahead, Shay. Shay I'm sorry. I could go back. <laughs> if I could go back. My life would be better without TikTok. See? 100%. Like, it is a time-sucking machine, but the gaming content on there is pristine. I think okay, it's fair. amazing. Okay, fair. And to be fair, my opinion mm-hmm. comes from a very limited space because I've not engaged with enough to actually have a fully formed opinion, and I can say that, but also it's trash. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> if you like Splitgate, though, you got to go follow the Splitgate okay, TikTok hey, account. They're doing to, great stuff. I'm mm-hmm. very open to my mind being changed. I will say that. Okay, so we we know one answer you will not be giving for this last question. This is an important <laughs> one because this is the community feedback loop. But wait, hold on. Shay, did you what are what are you playing besides Apex? Oh yeah. Uh, besides Apex, Bob and Katie, I don't know. Uh Splitgate. I've been playing a lot of Splitgate lately. Uh but mostly those two. I'm in the last week of college right now, That's so right. the time to actually game you're hasn't playing been the game uh, of, there. You're, you're playing not the I'm board playing the game, game of life, but the real game of life. Yes. <laughs> yes. IRL, yes, baby. no doubt. Love it. No, I mean, I'm Okay, so this last question. Now we can go back to it. Kitty, we know you're not going to answer with TikTok. Um mm-hmm. but this is one that I I really like to ask um, you know, and I don't always have an answer myself. Um, but um I always like to ask um our guests, because I think it provides people some different things to look at. Uh, and we are the community feedback loop. We're talking about communities and video games and esports. So what's a fascinating community? And, and I, I do request, it's not one you're working with or on that is drawing Ooh, okay. your attention. Oh, um, that's a really good question. Hmm. Okay. I don't... I don't actively in, engage with them, but I am very much so engrossed in it. Does that that work? totally like that's okay. actually? I mean, it's cool if you're engaged the community, but I also like when somebody's just like I'm going to be the 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 person just watching, right? The lurker, yes. the watcher. From okay, yes, if. I'm a lurker. I'm a huge lurker. Uh, the the no sleep community on Reddit is one of the most incredible communities that I have ever engaged with. So um, it's it's our no sleep forward slash no sleep on um, on Reddit. And it's basically a subreddit dedicated to um, mostly short form, but also long form horror stories. And some of the authors in No Sleep, they could be movies, they could be full on novels, they could be series, TV shows. They are the imagination and the world building that comes from some of these authors is top tier. And uh, I, I read No Sleep every day. Uh, it's one of my favorite subreddits. I think there is a massive amount of talent that is consistently showcased in that subreddit um and some of the some of the stories that people will come up with some of the worlds they build are um are none so the best like one of my favorites um i'm trying to i'm trying to pull it up right now but some of my favorites of all time if you guys like spooky stories sometimes it's not straight horror it's just unsettling creepy stuff like that um so the campground manager series uh, which is currently ongoing it is a very long series, but it's it basically the premise is this woman in a remote area of America. She runs a campground. She's a campground manager, except there's monsters on her campground and it's her story of having monsters on her campground. It's incredible. And I actually think she's turned it into a series that you can like a novel series. Um, another one is uh one of my all-time favorites is a park ranger a u.s park ranger and their whole job obviously is search and rescue they're sars i think search and rescue service and uh it's about the 
creepy weird things that happen in the remote woods and also the staircases in the woods why are there staircases in the woods um and that's an incredible series too so definitely no sleep is a community i don't directly engage with them i don't comment or anything like that um but i am very much so engrossed in them i highly recommend you try them out that's awesome that's exactly the sort of thing we're looking for. And now I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to be reading this. Oh, they're great. Oh. Some of them are legitimately like freaked me out so bad that I'm like, I'll just turn my dimmer on just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, you know, this has been so much fun. I think we've covered some amazing ground. And, you know, I just want to, again, thank you for joining us in the community feedback loop. Uh, and, you know, one last, if there's any like plugs you need to share, like please do so before we uh, say farewell. Yeah, well, first off, Bob Shea, thank you so much for having me. I know it was a, a bit of a long-winded process, mostly my fault of being able to get this to the finish line, but thank you for having me so much. It's my pleasure. Um, Bob, I'm glad you're doing well. Shay. I have full faith that you are going to crush it in your transition into the gaming industry. If you ever need anything from me, please do let me know. Uh, but anyone who's interested in learning more about me, um, Twitter and Instagram are World's Bedford as the handle and Twitch is Katie Bedford. So I'd love to see you in chat. Awesome. That's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Community Feedback Loop podcast. You can listen to previous episodes for more conversations with other amazing people we've met in the video games industry. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify to support the show. We'll catch you next week.